Thanks everyone for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast. It's brought to you by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. Also brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries. Head over to combatflipflops.com and become part of their unarmed forces. And brought to you by Heads Up Guys. Heads Up Guys is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent depression. This is a dedicated online tool to helping men get the help that they need, find someone to talk to, and navigate difficult times. For more information, head over to headsupguys.org. Hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, this week's episode of the podcast. I have, uh, I consider a friend, but I'm not quite sure because, you know, gingers and and me don't seem to click well, according to Bishop. So this is uh, the super badass racer I happened to meet through um, a husband of mine. And uh, he grew up racing. Apparently, Mr. Ryan Villapoto doesn't need too much of an introduction. But um, I will let him tell all of you kind of who he is and what the hell he did and why I consider him to be one of the top racers of all time. So everyone, please welcome Ryan Villapoto. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, these podcast things are getting pretty big these days. So the more I can do, the better for me. So um, everybody, my name's, my name's Ryan. I uh, raced Supercross and Motocross for, for professionally for 10 years. But obviously, it started way before that as uh, basically a little kid. Um, you know, so I, I was able to turn pro at 16 and basically raced till I was, tw- I think, late 26, 27. Um, and then retired from that and, and now life's gone on with, with, uh, two twin boys and, you know, busy doing, doing that type of stuff, but, uh, no more, no more professional racing in that arena, but, uh, it was a good run while, while we did it. Oh my God. Was it ever a good run season? I got to see, uh, I would like to, this is a joke here, but I got to see the tip. I got to see the tip of what Ryan brought to the world. Um, I kind of walked in very late into your career, but, um, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Brady has a lot to say about how uh, you learned from him and uh, how he used to kick your ass on a regular basis. So let's roll into that. How did you get into racing? What was that? So um, my grandpa, actually it's his birthday today, he's 81, I think. Um, he had, from the East Coast, uh, from Patterson, New Jersey, uh, moved west, stopped in, uh, I think, Tucson, Arizona. And while he was there, um, for the 10 years or so uh, had two motorcycle shops. So he was always racing cars or, you know, street cars, not really racing, uh, car cars, like actually on a closed course, like street racing and things like that. So he was always doing that type of thing and motorcycles back in the day had two motorcycle shops, um, had my dad and, you know, a bunch of his four kids, they had four kids total. Um, but my uncle and my dad always rode. And then my dad just got me into it once, once he had me. So that's kind of where it started a family, family sport. My dad was, was okay at it, you know? Um, (laughs) But then once we had, you know, once he had me, uh, you know, his kind of, he had his day job building uh, spec homes. um, And then on the weekends he would race. And then the, you know, we came along and got us into racing. uh, And then it kind of just took off from there right around 11, 11 is kind of where, things kind of turned, but we were, uh, based in Paulsville, Washington and, uh, you know, bringing up Brady, we would always go up to the border there and race inside of Canada. Uh, I can remember going to Chilliwack and even, you know, Brady and, and Rick would come down, um, into Washington and race. So, cause it's, it's, it's really close. Uh, so at the time racing sixties, uh, yeah, Brady and Kyle Beaton were like on the West coast, Canada, Washington, those were like the the two best dudes and, and Fasciati also he, we, he was always a little bit bigger. So we didn't get to race him that much until we got on eighties and then he was out and then riding big bikes. But for me, racing Brady and, and Kyle were the two. Um, and, and for quite a few years there, yeah, like Brady used to beat me. And, and then I started to, to beat Brady, but then Kyle was the guy that we had to go after. Um, and then, you know, just started racing more amateur nationals and, and ended up, you know, doing, doing well. 
yeah, I'd say doing well is kind of putting it uh, mildly, but I mean, if you want to call it doing well, we'll call it doing well. Jesus well, doing Christ. well as an amateur, <laughs> as an as as an amateur, you know. Yeah, so. fair enough. You take your bumps. Um, yeah, we were talking about you last night actually, because I said, you know, I, I got a few things I want to talk to Ryan about, but um, and he just kept reiterating the fact that you sucked for a while and that it really took a long time for you to get it going. But once you got that shit going, there was no going back. Yeah, I mean, as a, as like I said, as like six, I think that was around anywhere from like eight, eight to twelve. You know, those those years. So really, pretty young. Um, but it doesn't matter what stage that is and where you're at. If you're racing amateur nationals, or if you're just racing your local side of it, if you're taking your local series or your local races serious, um, yeah, I wasn't that good, and yet we were taking it serious. And w- my dad was always good with chasing the fastest guys. So at the time, it was Brady and Kyle. Um, and we would go, you know, wherever they were, or if they came down with us, like, you know, um, the plan was, is to be as close to them as possible. And then once we started, you know, I started closing that gap a little bit, then it was like, okay, let's, let's start, try to beat them always pushing for that next thing, you know? So, and then once it came to beating them, then it, it never, it didn't stop there. It was like, okay, who's, who's next, who's faster. Like, let's mm-hmm. keep, let's keep moving the ball forward. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can appreciate that. I know it, a lot of it has to do with, uh, for people who don't understand motocross and supercross, and my very limited knowledge is, as long as you can keep yourself fairly healthy, and you can avoid breaks and serious injury, you know, you're often off to a good start. It's, it seems like that seems to be the trick. I know when Brady started to break himself, and you you kind of kept healthy, that's where he dropped off, and you kind of skyrocketed a little bit there. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a pretty tasking um you know, sport from the physical side to, to the mental side, to the, then just the side of just trying to stay healthy. Um, you know, some are big injuries, some are small, but any time off the bike is, is I think at a young age, um, uh, let's see here. Oh, there you go. Uh, at a young age is definitely hard. Um, you know, you want to, you want to try to stay on the bike as much as possible and also injuries, uh, you know, they just, they hold you back. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm assuming based on, uh, based on your body and I've watched some of the breaks you've had, my God, <laughs> I, I, I have one in particular and I think you probably know exactly which one I'm talking about where you're, you just absolutely shattered yourself in supercross. And, um, I remember watching that back over and over and going, there's no way in hell this guy's ever going to ride again. There's no chance. And I think everybody was saying that, Oh my God, did you ever come out of the gate swinging and just slap the shit out of anybody who made that comment? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, for a second there, it did um, cross my mind, uh, retiring and, and being in the position that I was in, I was, I did have an insurance policy that I could have, uh, I could have exercised. Um, it, you know, it was a good chunk of money, but it wasn't obviously the amount that I could have, uh, if I would have kept racing that I could have made, right? So um, it would, it would have been, a, a, it was a good exit strategy. It was, I, I mean, a lot of people don't even have that option. Um, but I thought about it for a second, but the good thing about, um, the good thing about having the, you know, breaking bones and things like that is they're pretty, they're relatively easy to fix. Um, you know, they had to do some, some decent surgery on, on my lower leg with, you know, plates and, and making sure my leg was long enough cause it kind of, it broke it in four spots. So they had to do stuff, but to be honest, the bones are pretty easy to fix in my opinion. Um, you know, the things I deal with now are like my left knee, you know, like, uh, I've had three ACLs on that. And with the ligament side of it, I think those are way harder to fix. Okay. And like today, actually, right after this, I have an MRI on my left knee to see, uh, I, I'm probably going to have to have it done for the fourth time. Uh, you know, and then when I'm later, probably a knee replacement, you know, so the ligament side of things are, are I, I think what the, more the hardest part, you know, the bones are easy. Those things are, they, they fix them with metal. Yeah, that's where I'm going to screw those things together and then you're ready to rock. I know I <clears throat> I did my knee like in the most pathetic way ever when I was racing. And then I was like, well, maybe racing isn't for me. If that can happen, that's simply like that's embarrassing. I'm just going to take a break on that. Um, when you were racing, though, there's a there's a concept I like to talk about, especially in our community. And when I say our community, I, I kind of group you in it because you're a gun lover, you're a hunter you know, you have a, a ton of uh, military friends. So, you know, when I say, you know, group, I mean like the military, the vets, the serious war fighters, not so much our regular soldiers, but more of our war fighters here. And um, one thing I, I, you know, I really noticed within that community is uh, 
how people handle mental health differently and how they handle being, you know, that top warfighter, being the Ranger, being the Navy SEAL, being those guys. And there was always something I noticed with you. Um, every time I was around you at the track, the very limited amount, there never seemed to be a stress on you. Like you were, the thing that I couldn't get is like, you were expected to win. There was never like a, you know, Ryan's on the track. He's okay. It's okay if Ryan gets second or third. It's like Mitch was going to be drafted. Either way, you had to win. That was just how it was going to be. But I, I don't truly understand how you were able to just be as chill and calm and cool and collected as you were. Is there a trick to that? Is there something I'm missing here? No, I mean, I think, I mean, I can, I, I never would I ever, you know, I mean, yes, there's, I guess, you know, big, big fan of guns and gun advocate and, and hunt and shoot and, and things like that. But never would I ever compare myself to somebody that is, you know, putting their, their actual life on the line to, you know, for freedom and, and, and things like, you know, protecting, protecting us here in the United States and, and, you know, for all those reasons. But yeah, I think there is a, it takes a special uh, human being to be able to do that. And I think also to be able to go race supercross and be a guy that races for fifth through 10th, is a completely different person that, that goes and races for championship, just like a person that goes and signs up for, for, you know, the military, but you know, they've never really seen or don't have, they're not cut out to get actually up there on the front line. There's certain guys that, that are like, no dude, I'm going and it doesn't matter. I'm going to, uh, we're going to figure this thing out. Right. So um, I think there's, you know, whatever that is, there's just some, some people that have, have that, that, you know, beat to a different drum, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, like I, I, uh, yeah, I kept it, kept it, uh, pretty wrapped up, you know, and d- didn't show a lot, but, but I think like anybody that's in that situation, like, you know, that you're, you're basically in a pressure cooker, you know, amongst yourself, uh, okay. you put a, a lot of pressure on yourself and, and, and being able to, you know, we raced 17 races in 18 weekends is, and then two weekends off and go into outdoors. So like you live inside of that pressure cooker, most of your career, uh, cause there's really no break time and it just, I, how I, I can't really answer like how, how I did it other than, other than it's all I knew. And it's what I was, uh, you know, not trained to do, but it was, it's what I was brought up to kind of do. You know, I raced since little and, and was always under pressure. My dad always wanted me to do well. And, and I think as a kid now having kids looking back, like I push my kids pretty hard because, you know, they know what they like. They know what they don't like. Um, you know, it, it's at, at a young age, it's pretty simple. Like they don't, they can't make a decision for themselves at this point or that they just know what they like and what they don't like. Um, right. and one thing my grandpa always said, he goes as you know, for raising my kids now, he goes at young, they know what they like, they know what they don't like, and they know that they don't like pain, you know, and, and whatever that pain is for your kid, if that's a pinch on the arm or a twisting of the ear or the wooden spoon, whatever, like, you know, you, I just think that's how I was brought up and that went into my racing, you know, like it was, it was, uh, it was something that was you just keep on pushing and, and pushing hard. That's interesting because, um, when you talk about Papa Villapoto, my God, that guy, <laughs> he drove your tour bus, he showed up at the races. You would have thought that the guy was ready to go racing every single time he got to the track. Like I was so uh, dying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was up to him, he'd still be racing his vintage bikes or his, or, you know, if I was racing, he'd still be wanting to be there. You know, he'd be still trying to drive around the country. You know, he, he was a diehard. Um, he just loves racing. Like he still watches it every time that it's on. He still watches it, you know, even today. That's a, that's a beautiful thing though, because it shows truly where the bond is in that in your family. Um, and that's kind of a great segue into your family. I want to talk a little bit about your mom and dad, because I've, I've got the privilege and I consider the honor to meet uh, your parents. And the reason I say it that way is because I think it takes a very special person or persons, people to raise a child that is tough enough mentally to be able to handle that pressure cooker um, for whatever you guys went through when you were young and any of the trials and tribulations you had, you guys came out on the other end stronger, regardless of what it was like growing up. And with your mom, I mean, I I always, you know, now that I'm a mom and, you know, we've got boys that are the same age and, you know, it's that, it's that belief that, like you said, each kid, you know, whatever that, you know, that pain tolerance is, whatever they like or what they don't like, it just seemed like being a mom. I don't know that I could have watched, I don't know if I could watch Jack. I mean, I'm starting to watch Jack huck himself off things 
And that's terrifying. I just, I don't know how your mom and dad did it the way they did it and how your mom was able to, you know, I don't say accept the way your dad pushed you, but help me out I mean, I, with these two. I, I think, I, th I mean, I think on, um, you know, like, like, you know, my kids, for example, like there's certain things that are going to, you know, potentially, I mean, a lot of, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can get hit by a car walking off a curb and end up dead. Right. So, so you, you can't just say, okay, well you got to, you know, like there's certain things that like, I know that nine times out of 10, they're going to be fine. Um, mm -hmm. Is it going to hurt? Are you going to end up with a broken bone? Um, as long as it doesn't end up with their head or neck, right? Like everything else is pretty, um, like they can fix a lot of that, those things. And I think as for a young, like what I'm doing, what we are doing with ours, our kids is, 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 you know, Hey, that's going to burn you like, okay, fine. If you're going to touch it, you're going to touch it, you know? And then you, yeah, then you have to deal with the consequences afterwards. And yeah. Uh, and as a parent, that's like, I don't worry about their, them. It's like, geez, now I got to listen to this, this him whine and bitch and cry for, for two hours because <laughs> yeah. he just touched and burned his hand. Well, I told you that. Right. So I, ultimately like, I think, you know, you try to let him even at, a, at being four, I try to let him, you know, make the, I guess, make the mistake or, or crash their bicycle. And I said, I told you you're going to do that. You know, like you can't hit the jump that fast or you can't do this or you can't do that. Like I told yeah. you what was going to happen and it happened. So, but obviously at this age, they don't really understand that. Like at this point, like I really know what I'm talking about. So no, cause dad just rides bikes. Daddy just rides bikes. He doesn't understand. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's going to, there's probably that transition point where it's like, you know, they don't really understand it at all. Then they're going to get older and understand it. And then, but then they're going to go to the point where there's like, Oh, I'm just going to rebel because it's, you know, the, the parents. So like, obviously those would be more like the 10, 12, 13 year old probably mm -hmm. problems, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge later. But yeah, I think for, for us just trying to let them, you know, um, let, let, let them make their own mistake. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, like, and I think I, I can't remember back to exactly how, you know, obviously I was super young. How did my parents, you know, mm -hmm. raise us? I mean, I, um, you know, I, I, I think it was somewhat that way. I mean, we, we got beat a lot because we were thick headed, you know, like we, it, you know, we got told what not to do and we would do it. And okay, well, here comes the belt or the stick or the piece of trim or whatever. And, and we would get spanked, you know? So I, I think that there needs to be more of that today in, in, with our young kids and, and generations that are going to be coming up because, um, I, you know, I hate to say it, but, uh, we're in trouble with how soft people are, um, that are coming up. You know, we even, I think we see it with our generation now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 32, you know, and, and it's like, Oh, you can't say this. You can't say that. And I'm like, I mean, I wasn't raised like that, you know? Um, you yeah, know, you got to have some thick skin. The world's tough. The world's not fair. The world's not going to be perfect. Um, that doesn't mean the world's bad either, or this person's that bad or this, you know, um, shit happens. People say things and, and, you know, uh, just cause that they said this or said, did this or whatever, it doesn't mean they're necessarily bad or racist or this or that. Yeah, I know. Speaking of that, oh my God, I said some stuff on the weekend, uh, when I was with some of those gentlemen and, uh, even though I was joking, I got the, whoa, what just came out of your mouth? And I'm like, okay, listen, people, I've heard worse come out of yours. Like, don't, don't act like what I just said is going to offend anybody here or hurt anybody here. There's no women here. There's no this here. There's no that here. Don't start with that with me because I feel like you're right. We're, we're making soft children. I mean, I don't think I'm making a soft child in particular. I let that kid shit with himself on a regular basis and chuck himself off things and break himself and it's the same with the fire it's like jack don't touch the fire no okay we'll touch it i, I don't know touch it we're gonna play with what comes out next but i don't want to hear yeah. about it after you're sitting in the hospital and like, my hand hurts well don't touch the fire then like how many times do i have to tell you so i can respect that i can understand that i don't know that i could get away with um using a piece of trim anymore but i uh I'm definitely going to slap one of those beside my bed and see what happens. And maybe all it needs is the fear. You don't need to actually do it. Maybe it's just the fear of the trim. Not so much the yeah. wooden spoon. That's um, right. There's a little fear. It doesn't hurt anybody. It goes a long way now, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah. You, I mean, if, if you don't have any fear, then what, I mean, then you're just, I'm not, I'm going to jump off the balcony. Well, if you're, you know, like you, fear of consequences, like those are things that you have to understand what, you know, and life has a lot of consequences. 
Yeah, no, yeah, well, sure, sounds like I can tell you that for sure. Um, yeah, I just want to touch back on something. Yeah, I, I group you. The reason I say I group you in that group is I feel like in the United States, um, from what I can see, so from my very limited knowledge living on top of the crack house, I can see that there is a, a drastic divide, and I think that's incredibly obvious um, for you probably living down here. You're in California now, right? You're not up in, you're not in Washington yep. anymore? Yep, yep, okay. California. Okay, so yeah, you can you can definitely see the divide living in an incredibly democratic state versus say living and moving down to I don't know Texas or even you know one of the other uh, red states. But I guess the reason I group you in that is you you hold respect for those people, you hold respect for the police, you hold respect for the war fighters, and you also understand that when somebody says I want to have a gun to protect my family, you hold respect for that and you do it properly. And so I group people all kind of together all together because I believe that there's a similar value in that group of people versus a similar value in this group of people. I hate to see the divide, but it is a divide. Regardless of whether we like it or not, there is that divide. So now don't you worry. You're a badass in your own right, but I'll tell you right now, you're not, don't, don't get it twisted. You're not no warfighter. And they don't allow no. like you, you stand out too much. You're a perfect target. And I don't, and I don't think, I don't think I would, um, you know, I wouldn't be cut out for that, for that position. You know, that's not, I, I maybe I would, I don't know, but I'm, you know, at this point. Hey, um, not now, not with those needs. Yeah, exactly. So at this point I won't, I won't find that out, you know, hopefully. And, and uh, you know, we'll yeah, see unless it start the draft again. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. I don't, I think the, I think there'll be, if we start the draft again, I think there'll be two things that aren't allowed in there. Gingers and uh, professional athletes because they're their only entertainment. When shit goes sideways, we need TV and we need entertainment like drastically because people can't seem to figure out how to go outside and be outside without a screen telling them how to do it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really impressed when you answered me about how you handled the pressure cooker situation only because you truly were a pressure cooker. Like there, there is no rhyme or reason, any other way to ex explain it. You just were. And <clears throat> I, I'm curious to know. I keep going back to the fact that you're a ginger, but I, you know, I know your wife, Kristen, you know, she's a special kind of gal. And um, so I don't know what she saw with you, um, but she was obviously. My good looks, I guess. Is that what it was? Is that what must it was? Be, must be, yeah. Mm, uh, I don't know those beer drinking ego days. I don't know if she was all about that life, but. Yeah. And trust me, I know all the deep, dark secrets. I know what you used to eat for <laughs> breakfast. Brady, Brady's a, Brady will tell me anything. You better watch yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Um, so can we talk a little bit about your hunting? Because I know when I got to go to your place in California, um, I got to see the level of uh, beautiful, beautiful guns that you had. And I also got to see that you go on big game hunts or have. Yeah, yeah. So I obviously haven't done that in a while. And some of the stuff that uh, maybe you've seen is um, some from South Africa. I went over there when I was about 16 um, with actually one of my uh, – uh, longtime sponsors, Parts Unlimited and Thor, uh, the owner that went, um, we were all together and he's like, Hey, you know, jump on, let's go, let's, let's go over there. And that was a great experience. But I think for, you know, um, for me, I just, I kind of grew up, I didn't grow up like my dad wasn't like a diehard. He didn't hunt. I think he hunted maybe a couple times. Um, I do have family in Alaska and things like that, but I just like going out, you know, in going hunting, um, I guess it's just a way to get, get out and get out to uh, rural areas and you know i it's more hanging out with good people and you know being able to drink some beers around a campfire and then you know obviously the the, the goal is to go out and, and and kill something but um but more or less just get out there and and you know uh just have a good time and and and, and be able to um get away from the city and you know get a couple good friends good buddies go out there and yeah. and have a good time and um, you know, obviously hunting is, would be why we're there and, and everything that we do, if we end up shooting something like right now, my freezer, some of the stuff is stuff that I shot a few months ago. And I had a buddy from Texas send me, um, some deer that he, he had went out and shot. So, um, it's all used, used and, and, um, you know, used in the right way. It's nothing that we just go out and kill and, and, you know, leave for the coyotes, you know? Yeah, you're not a you're not a straight up murderer. I don't, I don't have to kill anything. You know, the thing is, is like I said, is if we go, that's the bonus part of it. Um, mm -hmm. If you end up, you know, putting something on the ground, um, you know, and and having to pack that sucker out, you know, so it just depends. Uh, like I said, I'm not. 
I'm not this big hunter. Don't get, get me confused with, uh, you know, somebody that goes out and is diehard this, diehard that, has to go sure. hunting a bunch of, uh, you know, all throughout the year. But when I get to go, I, I, I do enjoy it. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, didn't you end up getting a, didn't you have to pop out a bear or did I, did I get that wrong? Uh, I mean, I, a few, long time ago, I did shoot a bear up in, up in Alaska with my cousin. Um, you know, so we, we shot that and, and, you know, um, but I think I was probably 15, 16, 17 when we did that, but long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Spencer, it's Spencer up there, right? He does yeah. the salmon fishing, right? Yeah. He's a commercial fisher. Um, he dives for gooey duck, sea cucumbers, and then, uh, gill nets in the summer when the salmon are running. Jesus, that's a lifestyle and a half. And that is not so, an easy way to live. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's a, it's a lot of work for sure. It's a lot of work. <laughs> but you can't, you can't, I uh, can't blame them. My gosh, there's something about being able to be away from everything and be up there and be doing those things. So I can totally respect that. Um, I want to know a little bit more about how you met your wife and how you've got that support system. Cause I feel like she's been a, a massive pillar for you because you guys met when you were racing, you guys went through a lot together, you know, when you came out the other side, it seems like uh, quite strong. And I know we all have our things and I know we all, you know, everything looks great from the outside. So we can't, you know, not sit here saying, you know, your marriage and your life is perfect, but I do know for a fact that she has been a massive supporter. She, Jesus at the track, she cooks food for you. She keeps people away from you for you. She, you know, she's been a pillar. So let's, let's talk a little bit about her. Yeah, so we ended up, um, she actually worked for, she did PR for uh, Kawasaki through a third party, and that's how we ended up meeting, um, and that's kind of where it started, and then, um, you know, we started dating, and then it, yeah, basically went into not doing that anymore, um, it was, you know, full-time job was basically just us going going racing, we had a motorhome, so, and we also had a place in Florida and California, so we would bounce around um, back and forth about four times a year. So Supercross would be obviously out here on uh, in January for about three months. And then so we'd spend basically Christmas out here because we're both West Coast, um, you know, grew up the West Coast side. And then we would spend Christmas for about three months out this side. And then we would go east because the series would go east. We would all go or me and her would go. And then we'd spend, you know, uh, four or five months in, on the East Coast and back to California for a couple of months and then back to Florida for the rest of outdoors. So. As it, when it come from, and it's still that way today, meaning when it comes to her, um, you know, basically the glue of everything, you know, I don't do anything when it comes to paying bills <laughs> here, doing this, doing that. Like, that's not, that's not what I do. That's not my strong point. So um, that's what she does. So she basically runs the, runs the household in, in, in a lot of ways when it comes to uh, keeping it, keeping it going forward. Or we probably wouldn't have power. I was just going to say, I, um, I'm the same with Brady. I just, uh, I'll take that. You, you go do Atlas and I'll, let me just, let me just make sure the bills get paid because, uh, it's not that I don't trust you, but I also know how you guys think and how your brains work. And it's a very specific type of, uh, brain, um, and how you guys are able to be that type of person on the track and be cut, you know, in that business mindset and all of that. It's not always the strong suit for you guys to take over like the, you know, the monotonous, you know, the little tasks that need to be done every day and things like that. So I can, uh, I can understand that. Um, I saw something that I was like super stoked to see on your Instagram. Are those little boys skateboarding? Uh, yeah. So we get them, try to go and get them to go skateboarding a little bit, um, take skateboard lessons. Luckily, obviously our weather's, our weather's really good, you know, most of the year down here all the time. So, um, skateboarding is one thing that I never, never could do. I can snowboard. Okay. But skateboarding is something that I can't do. Um, you know, and being that I'd love them to be able to learn to skateboard and skateboard, you know, I, professionally, I, I'm not going to say that, but skate well enough because obviously, um, you know, where we live, there's a lot of, a lot of concrete, a concrete jungle, you know, so they can get out and do things with a skateboard that you can't do on a motorcycle and things like that in their free time. So, or when they're not riding, if, if they're going to ride. So, where um yeah well, they do their skate lessons every once in a while i saw that and it's, it's kind of interesting because it's not like you're like oh i'm gonna take you guys to a skateboard lesson it's like here let me get niger like the like 20 time ridiculous monster this is just my buddy he does this for a living it's no big deal you teach my kids how to skateboard i feel like that's an unfair advantage i feel like that is um, an unfair advantage i don't yeah maybe it is that was a little skate lesson that we did with a with a big group of people but I can tell you that there's not looking very promising on, on, on the skateboard. So um, okay. we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's going <laughs> to finally click with them, but 
the skateboarding stuff is is uh is unique i think so we'll see we'll see how far they go get with it <laughs> yeah, those sometimes you can't just you can't teach it sometimes they just suck at stuff and that might be one of the <laughs> things they just suck at you know they're, they're never going to get it I really like that mindset that you have because it's okay to say that about your kids. It's okay. You don't have to talk shit about your kids, but it's always to be like, listen, bro, I love the dedication and the drive, but honey, you just really suck at this. This is yeah, yeah. pick something else, you know? And I mean, and here's the thing, if they love it, then go right ahead. You're, you're, you know, mm -hmm. do it. But I, as a child, I think, and as for, for what I'm going to do with mine anyways, or we are, mm -hmm. is I would get them to do everything, snowboarding, mm -hmm. skiing, this, that. And then we'll, we'll obviously as parents, you'll be able to see where they're, what they're good or better at yeah. and then i think that's where it comes down to like you see how much they you know, obviously if they like it if they you know how, where that scale is and i think that's where then it comes into our as parents you got to push them because they're gonna as human beings that we just we take we find the easiest way to do everything and, and of course quit when we when we can quit so i think that's where like hey you're really good at this or you showing potential we're mm -hmm. gonna and then that's where like, oh, I don't want to do that. Today. No, you're going to do that. You, you got to push them to do the things that they don't want to do. Um, you know, and that's, I think that, but that's, a, that's later, you know, they're only four. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do now, but eventually whatever age it is, it's like, Hey, you have a talent here. We're going to, we're going to go, we're I'm going to push Cultivate you to do it. this yeah. yeah, and see where it goes, you know, because if not, they're going to quit as soon as it gets tough. That's just human nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what, what made you not quit? Um, you know, my dad gave me the option to quit, uh, multiple times, but you know, I, I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I mean, there was times that I wanted to quit, you know, and he would say, fine, quit. Just I'll sell everything, you know? And I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that was a scared part of like, Oh, I don't want to like him to sell everything. Yeah. Um, you know, so just, you know, kept on pushing, uh, you know, so that, you know, that's, it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. Um, we were very engulfed in what we did. So I didn't do get to experience a lot of other things. Now it panned out and it worked out really well for us. Um, you know, but also I, I think I'm going to, I would do the same thing, but I would change the trajectory a little bit and, and, and let them try to do a, a few other things. Um, you know, uh, j just, put, you know, not that I wanted to go to prom, but like, just say like, Hey, you got to go do certain things here or there, get these like little life experience things. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just to say you did it. I'm maybe you, maybe you're gonna hate it. I don't, I don't, know. I don't, really, <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit if you, if you did or if you hate it or not. But you know, there's certain things like that um, that I think that that you know maybe would have been cool to go and do. So that's where I'm gonna try to do things a little bit differently. Is yeah. is you know give them the chance to go do a, a few other things. But uh, I'm definitely gonna be hard on them and push on them when 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 time needs to be. I think that's why your kids are already successful in the sense that they, well, first off, you got twins. So the fact that you're surviving at all is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah, a lot of work. I remember when Brady goes, uh, Ryan's have twins. And I went, oh, okay, I got one in here. This is enough. I'm good. Thank you. Don't need two. I'm good. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It drives you to drink. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, one does enough. I don't know that I could handle two. We recently got Brady snipped last week, so... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I need to probably go in and do that. Bro, get it done. Life gets easier. Yeah. yeah. Stress goes away. Not that I need to talk about your junk, but seriously, that shit was the best thing. He was like, so how do we feel about this? Are we done? I said, well, my body, my choice. So yeah, I think, I think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want me to go fucking insane. I think we're done here. Um, so it's, it's interesting to watch because I've honestly seen the transition in the time I met you and watched you become the dad that you are. And I've watched you go through some serious hardship in the middle of that um, and some really deep loss. And, um, you know, to see you come out the other side, honestly, Ryan, you're a different person and you're, you talk like you've got so much more, I don't say knowledge, but you understand what it means now to be a dad. And I think that might put into perspective some of the shit, you know, we all go through as we're, when we're younger with our parents. It, you know, you can't, you can't understand it and you can't describe it until you become a parent. Um, so I totally, uh, I don't say I loved, I love the change because you're already a dope dude and you're already a real, you know, really, really kind, really respectful 
guy, the only thing you had, you know, not going for you was your hair, but we can't change genetics. Um, and you know, we, no, we can you can't. I mean, can. dye, dye can do a lot of things. Yeah. But then you got to deal with like the mustache dye and then like the color of like the beard. It's like a whole thing. Nobody needs that kind of upkeep. Yeah, yeah. Carpet, the the car that. that means you got to do the carpet too. So that's, that, that, that gets, you know, it gets rough. All right. That's good. Well, you know what? I, although I would, I would like to like hear a situation of you having to deal with that just so I can hear about how much it hurt you. Um, cause I feel like Kristen went through hell for those tiny little humans to push those things out. So I feel like you guys need to go through a little bit of hell. Um, on the other end, it's, I feel like it's only fair, but you know, that's, that's just me. I like to see. People yeah. I mean, up. I, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I didn't, it didn't look too bad for, for when I, where I was standing. So. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. No, that's cute. So, that's super cute. I'm gonna hop on the phone with Kristen real quick. We're gonna have a conversation about. We that. actually did C-section, so it, I think oh, it came right. out pretty, pretty easy. You know, little little drugs, and there they go. So popped them out. Uh, you know, man, I am telling you. But she ran through. Like Kristen's a badass in her own right. That woman can run. That woman has got miles under her belt, and she can put her. Yeah, yeah. I have a problem shit. like trying to. Oh yeah, and I have a problem like that's you know like hey you need to take it easy here this like she's she's probably more um, well I, not probably definitely more I don't know if driven's the word I, driven's not the word but she's more hardcore in a lot of in a lot of ways in a lot of areas than 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 I am you know so especially yeah. now you know I am you know where I'm at it's like yeah you know I, I went through <laughs> those times where it's like you know pressure cooker have to push through anything and everything and now I'm like yeah you know. If it doesn't work out, I'll get to it tomorrow. Like, uh, you know, that's that's kind of my mentality now. I'm sure. I'm sure Alden is loving that mentality now. I'm sure he's really just a thriving in that. All the work he put into you, all the mindset. Oh, he always yeah. said, "Yeah, yeah." He always said, "I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that when I'm retired." He goes, "You won't do anything, you know." And so, um, you know, I still feel like, you know, going through that and you know the ten years, you know, being professional, but even what it took to get there. I still haven't found, you know, that happy medium of like, okay, well, you know, like I obviously try to, 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 um, you know, I don't want to be 300 pounds, but, um, right now I'm about, you know, my, my goal would be to be about 170 now, like Elden's like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to blow up. And yeah. I mean, sure. I, I definitely did compared to my racing. Um, but one, you were tiny. Yeah. One eighty is where I'm living right now. And I definitely like to see like 170. So I still haven't found that. Um, I mean, I guess it's been retired for six years, so I still haven't found that like, okay, well, what's the, what's the happy medium and how do I stay at, get to 170 and stay there. Okay. So I, I need uh -huh. to, I need to work on that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, your wife puts up a lot with you, man, that, that weight fluctuates it on it's all on its own is, uh, I think you, I think you might have, I think you might've gained more weight than she did when she was pregnant. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. I raced it around at one, I run, I ran around at like 153, you know, so no, 180. So definitely, probably more than she put on when I think she only put on like I don't even know 30 pounds or something. Yeah, no, I know. 20, I, 20, I, 20, I 28 pounds or something. So it made the rest of us that were blowing up and gaining 42 pounds with one kid made us feel all real good in our bodies, buddy. All real yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was a good time for sure. I had to watching stop that. It was it was a fun time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. I mean, now you're, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no stopping now. Oh my God. What is it that you do now for, um, to keep your head clear? Um, you know, I'm basically full-time try. I mean, I'm at home most of the time, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing right now for, for me or her because <laughs> we're, we are on each other, you know, we're here quite a bit. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's good, you know, like, well, obviously for the kids sake, we're, we're here, um, a lot. I can help out when, you know, when I need to, um, mm -hmm. or when I, you know, so, but as for what I do on a daily basis, uh, I mean, it's, I'll be honest, not a lot, but, um, you know, there's little things like I just got back from Florida, uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, I was out there doing a, uh, a, a boat race, a speedboat race for, for monster. Um, oh, nice. and then I, I do some stuff for, with Yamaha Yamaha is a big, big part of what I do now. Um, anywhere from last summer, I did some testing for the race team. Um, it could be tomorrow. I have to go to a sales meeting or, you know, a bike, a new, a new bike launch. Um, and just try to stay a little bit involved in the sport. You know, uh, you know, at first when I retired, I was like, I'm over it. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not going to kind of see any part of this for 
if, if ever. Um, and then I, I took a break for about two years where I didn't do anything really in, in the sport. And, and then after that, that's kind of when we moved back to California and got more and more involved. And, and that's kind of when the, the fun started to definitely come back after, after I was gone for, didn't see it, didn't touch it for about two years. And then it got, the, the fun was there again. And, uh, you know, you work so hard for, for so long and at, for a while there, like I said, I didn't want any to see it. And I was, everything was kind of mm-hmm. just going down the drain. And then I was like, well, shit, I, I did this for basically from start to finish, call it over 20 years, around 20 years. And why, you know, there's still a little extra money that I can still make out there. You know, that was one of the things that popped in my head. I was like, okay, well, not only is this, you know, it's fun again, but I can still scrap up, you know, a couple, couple hundred grand just Mm -hmm. by being involved here and doing this and doing that. And I was like, well, that's stupid to let that go. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I, when we decided to move back to California is when kind of things, might call it my second career kind of like took off um, because we're so, I'm, I was then so readily available to for the companies down here. Cause most of the companies are based out of Southern California. So it's like, Hey, you know, I live here. I'm down here. So call me any, t- okay. That made things a lot uh, kind of speed up and which, which was good. Well, if you're not coming from Washington all the time and you're already just accessible that way, just by drive, I can understand why they would they'd be yeah. honestly, they'd be stupid. Those companies would be, they'd be quite dumb if they didn't utilize the top rider that's been the top rider for however long you have my god you you were able to do what most people only hope to do you know to win a to win a heat race to win uh, a supercross main and lights and then to win on the big boys class but then to win every fucking weekend that that's just not that's not reality for most people. Some people can dream it and you can always say, you know, you, you put, as long as you try, you can get there. And like you said, it's like, dude, if you suck, you suck. It's just, it just is. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely tough. You know, some guys will never reach that. Some, I mean, I think what you see a lot of now in the last, since Dunn's retired, um, mm-hmm. you see like Eli finally won a championship. Yeah. Uh, super inconsistent. You know, I can't tell you why he's inconsistent, but then all of a sudden Anderson wins one. Yeah. Um, but now he's nowhere, you know, kind of nowhere to be found. Um, yeah, same, about? same with uh, just, I, I don't just, uh, I think I'm, it's, uh, I think a, I don't want to use the word dedication cause they're dedicated, but I don't think they're, um, I don't think live, uh, you know, eat, breathe and, and, you know, live living that I don't think is the right way to say it, but I just, I guess, um, you know, they, Distracted? they, yeah, I think that it's it comes down to that they're all a little bit distracted and, and they're and I think they're trying to figure out how to way a way to have fun at it because it gets so um, draining and you know just yeah. you don't want to touch it you don't want to smell it you don't want to see yeah. it um, and then you learn to end up hating it like I did yeah. um, towards the end of my career and I didn't want any part of it and I retired so. I think a little bit of that or a lot of that comes back to falling onto the promoter's shoulders Feld mm-hmm. is myself, uh, Dunge, Ricky. We all retired at 26, 27 years old. And in my, in my personal opinion is I think that they're doing a bad job at, and I don't think they're very smart business wise. It's like, how do you keep these guys around longer? Mm-hmm. It's not when we retired, we didn't retire because we weren't winning. We retired yeah. because we were completely over it. So yeah. I think that they need to rethink how do we keep these guys along? And I think the longer that we, and as you've seen it with Chad, the longer that, that I think you stay around and obviously everybody likes an underdog. Yeah, um, the longer I think yeah. we stay around the bigger household name we are, you know, if I was racing at, you know, 29 years old, I think my fan, my fan base would be bigger. And I think I would have like more diehard fans than, than I did when I retired. Um, you know, cause you're getting a little older, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that they need to do a better job on preserving the careers of these riders than just like, Hey, w- we got another one in the pipeline. We got another one in the pipeline. Well, um, what about the pipeline know, that's all, already there? <laughs> yeah. Not only, not, not, not always do you have, you know, somebody like you, I, since Dunge retired, you haven't had a Dunge or a, or a myself or a Ricky, no. you, know, you know, um, that's just been gone since, since then. So, no. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Well, I know I remember, I can remember very clearly going to my first Supercross in Toronto and all, the only person I wanted to meet was Ricky and I got to meet Ricky and 
still to this day, like being able to see him continuously involved in the sport is, is really fantastic because it keeps people who might not have known the generation in between or may only know the old school riders. It really helps formulate that idea that this is, you know, you can be involved, you can do this, this is accessible to people and you can have a career outside of, you know, smashing yourself constantly or breaking yourself constantly. And going back to Anderson, I find that interesting because he was, there was a point there when I remember watching him and, and, you know, I don't, I don't like to compare people, but Jesus Christ, he, he, there was so much of the way he rode that reminded me of you. Um, you know, that, that style of just like always on the edge, just always Mm -hmm. on that edge there for a little while. And then, like you said, I saw him kind of drop off and I, like I said, I think there's something to be said for when you're in that environment. And I mean, I only got to see a very small scale of what it's like to be attached to one of those riders. And I got to see it on the, like Brady was just leaving, you know, when, when we met kind of situation. And I know how many things are thrown at you and how many people can be thrown at you and, and all the, all the stuff that gets thrown at you when you're the, you know, you're the top guy. And um, I can imagine that's distracting as hell. And if you don't have your head on right and you don't have the right people around you, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, but some of those riders right now, it's, it's unfortunate to see because it's like you watch people like Eli and you're like, you have it. Like, what is the missing link here? You're like, you're, you're, you're doing so good. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're just dropping off and it doesn't, like you said, there's no rhyme or reason is, you know, the dedication's not there. And that's when it comes down to like, why I ask you so much about your family, because I think that was the catalyst and the main reason why you were able to keep your head on straight is you you know your dad was like hey you want to be done i'm done we're done that's cool we'll be done but you have that want it yourself yeah totally and and back to the eli thing like maybe he just doesn't have maybe he's not cut out to live inside of that pressure cooker for for 17 17 rounds there's some people that are some people that aren't um you know going back to you know like anderson he only won three races i think that year you know which is great to win one is great don't don't get me wrong but you know you'd have you know years where ricky won you know, oh um, a, a ton, you know, I think the most that I won was, I think I won 11 races in one, one year, uh, you know, Supercross where, and then, you know, others were eight, nine, eight, nine wins, you know, like it, that's a lot compared to going back to somebody that wins three races, you know, like, no, sure. and like I said, I'm not taking that away, but like, no, no, that is every single weekend you are there racing for a win there's and in your worst would be a third not you know like a ninth or a tenth you know unless i mean sure i've had some shitty races anaheim one one year i got 16th you know but that was you know i came back and and started winning right away and, and won and won a lot you know so i think that's that's kind of the difference what makes that i don't know um you know you gotta live inside that for live inside the in in that box for months at a time and, and, and mentally and physically, you know, not come out of it, you know, you're become a hermit to that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're constantly training too, right? And you have somebody on your ass all the time. You've got the right training, you know, the right support system, right team. And you were with Alden Baker for how many years were you with Alden? Um, I think it ended up being like four years. Basically my, I did one, one season of 450 without him, I think my first one. And then I hired him my second one. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think it was about four years. Yeah, and he's he's no fucking joke. If anybody doesn't know who Alden Baker is, I'll tell you what. I ate a couple Skittles in front of him once. And he looked at me and said, you know, if you eat any more of those, what I would have to do is go do a marathon to make up for that. I'm like, okay, your shit's too serious for me. I can't I can't oh, yeah. I can't I can't flow with you like that. He's no, yeah, he uh he was pretty serious, you know. Uh definitely uh you know, and I think uh, when he did it with us, it was a smaller group it was me and Jake and, and AC. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he was, you know, yeah, it was, it was, uh, pretty, pretty, um, you know, you live, you, you live, you eat it, you breathe it, you sleep it, you know, every about seven thirty every morning we would, you know, the text would come through or the call and we'd be out on our bicycles doing, you know, every single day. So it was never, it was nonstop. So do you ride your road bike anymore? Uh, no, can't you tell? Yeah, well, um, I try, you know, try to do a anything. little bit here and there, maybe, uh, more, more or less mountain bike stuff. If I, yeah. if I do go, go out and do that, I'll do that. You know? So what you're saying is you're not worried about wrecking your knees anymore. So you're like, let's go do a mountain bike and see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it comes to pit bikes and, and big bikes or, or what ruins your knees so, or mine anyways, or where I hurt them, you know, like, but here's the thing. I know other people that have raced their entire career and never hurt a knee. Like I raced mm-hmm. my entire career and never hurt a shoulder. 
And I know people that have shoulder problems, you know, so it just, it's the, I guess the luck of the draw. I don't know what it is. Don't brag to me about your perfect shoulders while mine is physically unattached. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. So yeah. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of people like you. They hurt my feelings. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and say that it doesn't. So listen, I know, um, I know you are, uh, fuck, I'm even surprised I even got you. I heard Brady had to send you a few texts before I got on your ass. So it was only a matter of time whether I had to drive down there and bang on your damn door, but I was coming in hot whether you liked it or not, dear. Um, no, it's always listen, good. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to let you go here because I know you got to go get that MRI done and whatnot. But listen, I'm, uh, I've all, even before I met you, I've always been a fan. Um, the way you hold your family, the way you have respect for others. I mean, you're a shit talker for sure, but you have utmost respect for people and that's, that comes through. And um, I just, uh, like I said, I've, I've truly loved watching you become, you know, a dad because I think it's, uh, it's, it's smartened you up. It's softened you up. But I think it, I think it also gave you some perspective on some things. And I think you and I know what I'm talking about when it comes to family. So um, I'm really grateful to have gotten this opportunity to kind of pick your brain a little bit, talk about some racing and, uh, you know, I'd be, uh, I'd be real honored to have you back on here in a little while. Is there uh, anything you've got going on that you want to chat about? Anything you want to uh, blast out there? Yeah, I mean, not not a not a ton. Um, you know, just like I said, gonna go go um, get an MRI done, and then it's back to the kids full time. Like I said, that's a, I mean, as you, as you know, you have one; it's a full time job doing that. But yeah, anytime I can get back on the show, let me know. Um, sure. You know, it's it's always good. Like I always look for, you know, the the more readily available that I can be for things like this inside outside the industry. Um, yeah. I think outside the industry is actually more important than in because everybody already knows who I am inside of our industry. So we know you're um, a big deal, brother. We know, you know, just try to keep, keep, I, I don't know if it's called a brand, but cause I don't have a brand, but just keep building, building that into something that, uh, who knows where it'll be, you know, I, social media has changed everything, um, right. the way we live basically. So, um, you know, if you want to stay relevant, that's what you have to do now for sure. And you let me know anytime you're ready and, um, Please give my best to uh, Tyler and Kylie. I saw that uh, you've got two married siblings now, so I'm expecting yep. babies out of them anytime soon. My goodness. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. I don't know what their plan is. So. Oh, I don't know. Kylie and uh, Mike will make some, some cute little ones, and then we can get our little hippie Tyler and his wife with their uh, long-haired babies going swimming in the streams. I'm stoked to see That's it. That's right. All right, darling. Well, please give our best to everybody, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it, Ryan. All right. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. You bet.